0: Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Jamie Ball is a sprint car driver from the capital of sprint car racing, Knoxville, Iowa. He's a regular in weekly competition at Knoxville Raceway with his 5J 360 sprint car and had a win and finished second in the standings in 2020. He's also no stranger to traveling competition with the ASCS and Sprint Invaders. He joins this week to chat about his career, getting started at English Creek, selling real estate and much more. Check out my conversation with Jamie Ball. Jamie, you are kind of a full-time guy at Knoxville, is that correct?
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, I grew up here my whole life and uh, ran here uh, for the last 11 years. Took a couple years off when we did the ASCS National Tour, but uh, this year we were back full-time again and uh, had a... Good run at uh, the championship until the season was uh, cut short by COVID, but uh, came up just a little bit short.
0: Yeah, tell me about your season this year. I know you picked up a win, um, and I think you ended up, what, second in the points there, but uh, how did the season go until things kind of got shut shut down there?
1: Well, for a while, we didn't even know if we were going to have a season. Uh, You know, things were getting pretty scary there, especially here in Knoxville, and uh, so I was just fortunate and grateful that we had one at all. I really appreciate everything everybody at Knoxville did, Um, but it was pretty short. I think I only had. Twelve races total this year, which uh, in comparison, a couple years ago, I ran almost sixty with the national tour. So definitely down compared to normal. Um, we started off great, hitting on all cylinders, and uh, really was fairly unstoppable there for a while. I think uh, four weeks in a row, I ran third, first, second, second, and dang near beat Brian Brown and won, and uh, gave one away at the on the last lap to ASCS National Tour competitor Scott Baguki and uh was doing pretty good and then just kind of hit hit a little bit of a slump um just kind of before nationals there and you know it was still running guess what i call a slump still running worst i ran was ninth but uh compared to how we were running it just wasn't quite uh quite up to par but overall it was a you know pretty good short season um we had four races left at knoxville after nationals there but ended up getting canceled and it was a total bummer because we were only 22 points out of the point championship so What ifs, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I guess we should probably specify. You run 360s for the most part. There, why why is 360 a a good category for you?
1: For me, with our family family team and family funded operation, we really don't uh, have a lot of other sponsors and and people to help foot the bill. So, 360s not affordable by any means (laughs) because the motors are still outrageous. Especially when you're going to race here in Knoxville, you need to have fresh engines and updated and best of the best, and that's what. Charlie and James Fisher out in Ohio give to us at Fisher racing engines, but uh, just, uh, I don't know. You're not competing with the guys that do it for a living. You know, if you go run 15th in a 410 race, you were beat by the 14 guys that beat you 12 of them race for a living and don't go to work on Monday. So it just, it's really hard to keep up with those guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, and I guess I, that's the other kind of thing for you is, is obviously you're not racing full-time. You're not racing for a living. What are you doing when you're not in the race car?
1: Oh, uh, right now, full-time I'm a real estate agent for Iowa Realty here in Knoxville. Uh, Licensed to sell real estate anywhere in the state of Iowa and I've been doing that for three or four years and just started doing it full time here recently. And uh, then I keep busy even more so my fiance and I've got a 10 acre ranch outside of town where we got horses and dogs and a pygmy goat that lives inside and we now got 13 chickens and uh, just I don't know, kind of living a life with her that I, I grew up in the city, so it's been it's been fun for me learning and doing all these different kind of things. So definitely hold, not a whole lot of free time still.
0: What about the pygmy goat? I saw the other day there was a video on your Twitter about the about the goat trying to steal the chewy box. Uh, <laughs> tell me about the pygmy goat. Why, why is that a why is that a pet?
1: Well, when we bought this place a couple of years ago, I joked and said I wanted goats, and uh, I didn't specify. I've learned that I need to specify with my fiance J C exactly what I mean and where I want them to be. And uh, on Christmas, two years ago, she blindfolded me and handed me two, uh, three pound pygmy goats and uh, long story short, one of them ended up passing away. She had a genetic defect, but, uh, we named them after the rappers, uh, Snoop Dogg and Easy e So it's <laughs> Snoop Goat was the one that passed away. And then Easy g is the one we still have. So she literally, she thinks in her mind, she has a dog, she's grown up around a uh, blue healer and two Weimer owners. So she sleeps on the couch, sleeps in a dog kennel. She even eats dog food.
0: Nice. Um, it, when are we going to see you on like a, a, an episode of house hunters or something showing people around houses in Knoxville?
1: Oh, probably not in Knoxville. They, you know, I get emails once a year. HGTV looks for uh, agents and clients in the Des Moines area, but I don't think they're quite branching out to Knoxville quite yet.
0: I mean, come on. If there's a nice racetrack there. Why wouldn't they come to Knoxville? That's ridiculous. Um, tell me about kind of getting started in a sprint car. I mean, is, is that just the easy thing to do when you're kind of from that area that the sprint car is just kind of the natural place to go when you decide you want to race?
1: Without a doubt. Uh, my dad started racing at Knoxville Raceway in 1998. And uh, all through all of my schooling here, I, I've grown up and went to Knoxville and pretty much worshipped the grounds, uh, Marion County Fairground there where Knoxville sits. And, you know, every project I did, every thing that I – had spare time was pretty much spent on some, some kind of form of racing. And it's just, uh, once it's in your blood, it's really hard to get it out. And I've dreamed to race at Knoxville Raceway. And I've been very fortunate that my dad and, uh, family and some other people have given me the the opportunities to do so. So I'm grateful from where I'm at. And, uh, you know, like I said, I ran a national tour a couple of years and you go away and you really don't know what you got till you're over at a hobby stock track somewhere on a Saturday night in Arkansas. And it, uh, just doesn't, doesn't quite feel the same as when you pull into the hallowed grounds, a Knoxville raceway. So I'm, I'm glad to be back here and where I'm at in my life. And, uh, you know, I've kind of put the professional do it for a living dreams aside, that's, that's not going to happen unless something big changed in my life. So I'm just content racing at Knoxville. And, uh, you know, even if it's just 360 class, I'm okay with that. So I'm happy where I'm at.
0: What's your, like, you know, what was your kind of journey to get that opportunity to kind of race at Knoxville and, and run sprint cars? You know, were, were you, uh, you know, a, a mini sprint guy? Did you do go-karts? Like, you know, what did that look like when you first got started?
1: Well, when I first got, or first wanted to get started, my mom was, uh, my mom kept me in a bubble. I'm an only child. So I wasn't ever allowed to really race anything because there was nothing around here besides flat carts And she wasn't a big fan of those. So when Dan Ebright from California came out and brought the QRC Outlaw Cart here and built English Creek Speedway about 12 miles south of Knoxville. Um, I became really good friends with his grandson, Alan Ambers, and practically hung out and lived at their, their shop, MLC Motorsports outside of town for. Oh, eighth, ninth and 10th grade for the most part. And, uh, finally got a, uh, cart and it was kind of the greatest part of the story is my first ever ride was from my algebra teacher in eighth grade. He had two carts and he, he really needed help. He was struggling. His name was Nick DeMoss and uh, we called him the professor was his nickname and he needed some help so my dad dedicated some time to him and and gave him some help on his outlaw cart and uh, taught him to go fast and got him in victory lanes. so uh, he said the least he could do was put me in one so my, my first ever ride came from him and then i ran outlaw carts at english creek and really all over the country from '05 to 2009.
0: <laughs> What that, that kind of program of, of outlaw carts, you know, we, we have that here in North Carolina with Millbridge, and, and obviously it's big in California. Why is that such a good kind of breeding ground for race car drivers?
1: I think the biggest thing is the horsepower to weight ratio. You know, the carts the are weighing 450 pounds and they're putting out over 100 horsepower now. So it's kind of the closest comparison you can get to, you know, what a 410 spring car is, you know, power wise. So I think it really teaches everybody really, really good throttle control and you know the way you got to kind of muscle the car around like you do a sprint car it's uh it's not easy you know there at times you got to be smooth but at other times you got to know when to when to hang it out and you know get up on the fence and just the competition that comes from those cars i think people really learn to adapt a lot better because it's not just the same thing 25 laps in a row you know hitting the bottom or whatever the track changes as well so i don't think there's anything better than an outlaw cart and i think you know, your, your Kyle Larson and, and Rico's have have proved that that's probably one of the best breeding grounds there is.
0: Have you been back in one since you kind of moved up to sprint cars? Yeah, a
1: couple times. Um, when they did that Indy Indoors at the Pacer Stadium in, in Indianapolis, I put a car together there. Um, QRC and Kaiser Wheels and Straight Up Performance helped, helped get me one going kind of at a, a little bit of a cheaper cost. And I actually still have it today. And I pretty much only ran indoor races since then, um, did Lauren and, Lauren Stewart and Brian Clausen, Shamrock Classic into coin. And then uh, I've went a couple other places that were indoor things, nothing big though. And just kind of dabbled around in that, but I do still have it. So uh, we'll see someday get, get back out there get the 5J back out of English Creek. Maybe.
0: Do you, did you like from, from Outlaw Carts? do you then, I mean, do you jump straight into a 360? Did you go 305s? I mean, what was that kind of next jump then?
1: Uh oh, my first year I actually did double duty quite often at Knoxville. Um we had that they had the open three oh five class, the built three oh fives at that time, and then I uh, did three sixties as well. So uh just kinda got into both. You know, the three oh fives I didn't feel was too much of a jump. You know, speed wise you kinda don't have as much horsepower, don't get as much wheel spin. Then it wasn't as bad, but man, when I jumped in that three sixty for the first time from a you know, a little hundred power hundred horsepower outlaw car to a, a three sixty, it was uh it was something else. I Actually, time decent was on the pole in my heat race and and my dad told me just if I can get the jump, go to the top and just run the cushion, you know, basically wide open the whole time. And I got the jump and I went to go to the top and I turned right in the middle of the track going into turn one at Knoxville and spun out in front of 10 other cars and uh, backed up on the berm. Didn't, you know, nobody hit me. I didn't tear nothing up, but it, it sure knocked me down a notch for a couple nights.
0: Yeah. And then I guess that next question is from, you know, when you kind of get comfortable in a 305 or a 360, what's that next jump then like into a 410?
1: In a 410, you know, the, how quick you get to the corner I felt was the biggest difference for me. Um, you know, qualifying and hot laps and stuff like that wasn't bad, but it's when it slicks off that it becomes a lot more challenging. And uh, to be honest, probably the biggest challenge that I felt was just being so much more nervous, you know, lining up next to Brian Brown and Kerry Madsen, Ian Madsen, and people like that at Knoxville um, with the experience they have and how many races they run a year compared to what I'd ran. I think I've only ran probably eight to 10, four, to 10 shows. And uh, I actually did better my first few shows because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I, I was more timid, trying to drive it easier, you know, and, and it turns out that I could actually go faster. I was running the bottom better, I qualified better. And then the more, comfort I, more comfortable I got, the worst I was because I think then I was overdriving it and wasn't quite putting the car in the right place.
0: Since you've kind of been out and, and traveled some and, and doing ASCS races and things like that, and, you know, and, and now you kind of know what some other tracks look like. What are kind of the unique challenges of of running Knoxville and, and even running Knoxville on a weekly basis?
1: The hardest part when you go away is coming back and being able to qualify as good as you did after you've been there for a while. Um, we call it qualifying trim, and it, it it takes quite a while to get trimmed out to get tuned in to be that extra 10th of a second a lap, you know, to be that much faster, because I mean, you look at last night, I think even at Eldora from first to dead last was less than a second apart, you know, and from first to 20th is like two tenths. So just being perfect in qualifying, being trimmed out, you know, being smooth. Um, I call it locking your elbows when you qualify of just being locked in so that you're not scrubbing any speed. You know, you're, you're hitting every mark that you can. And I know that when I went, went away on the road and did ASCS where we do the pill draw quali- or pill, draw uh, points format, it uh, racing and harden your heat versus qualifying to set up your night, it really makes things difficult.
0: What is that? You know, you, you talk about there about, you know, locking in there and, and being trimmed down and qualifying. What does that look like when you're scrubbing speed? Is that just a matter of, like, you're just trying to keep the car as straight as you can all the way around?
1: Yeah, keeping it straight as you can. And, and like at Knoxville, a lot of people, or at least myself, you kind of, I call it floating the car a little bit. You kind of let it go where it naturally wants to go. You know, you don't try to force it down or you don't try to pin it up, you know, to the cushion or whatever. You just kind of let the car naturally drive itself, but keep it in the right spot. You know, putting it putting it in the right spot on entry is probably the biggest thing that just uh, kind of helps solve half your problems. But I, I know when you go away, we, my dad called it short itis, that, uh, you know, I would actually turn getting into the corner at Knoxville, where a lot of times at Knoxville you you don't turn; you just keep it keep it turned up to the right a little bit and use your brake use your brake to turn it or or keep it straight and just uh, less less effort.
0: <laughs> when you run a track like Knoxville on a weekly basis, how much does it change? Are you making set like big setup changes week to week? You know, depending on weather, things like that, or can you kind of keep a pretty similar setup week to week?
1: We have found that keeping keeping it simple is a hundred times easier. I think that was kind of part of our problem the last uh what four four point races of the year at knoxville was the harder we tried the worse it was you know we went and had a track rental and did i think we actually did two track rentals and did a little bit of testing other other places and and we got worse where you know i think we've just found that we've got a good base and if we can just stick to it and you know make sure that we're prepared in the shop going to the racetrack that we won't have any issues going forward for the most part And, you know, just, just keeping it simple has been more, more of a key to success than trying to overthink it.
0: When you kind of get out and and go run ASCS, you know, were you kind of looking at trying to, to, to move up and, and do a, you know, a, you know, a 410 series full-time all-stars world of outlaws, whatever, is, is that kind of what you were thinking when you, when you made that move?
1: Uh, Somewhat. I mean, I'm 30 years old now, every 20 something year old wants to race sprint cars for a living. And it just sounds super simple until you really get down to it. Um, You know, things are just so expensive and with our family funded operation, you know, ASCS was probably going to be the limit, but it was definitely a chance that I felt that maybe I could show myself to where you could go get a ride in all stars or Pennsylvania or, you know, a good, good ride at Knoxville, like a a TKS car, uh, the KCP car or whatever, you know, things like that. But for the most part, it was just, I was at a point in my life and our business was at a point in, in its, uh, you know, relationship there with everything that we were able to go and get out on the road and kind of see new tracks and vacation a little and just experience new things. And it was great while it lasted, but I, I think a lot of us realized that we, we like our bed at home. We like seeing our dogs and our family and, and uh, you know, it was no secret that everybody on my team wasn't, wasn't really getting any younger. So we weren't just a bunch of 21 year olds looking to, looking to hit the pavement.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, you're almost like talking about it. Like it's, it's, uh, it was a bad thing or something that you went on and did that. And, and, you know, I would almost say it's the other way. Like, it's a great thing that you at least took the opportunity and t- took the chance to go do it because most people don't get that opportunity to go do that. Um, and, and I think, you know, to, to get to race at all, I, th- I think is, is something again, not a lot of people get to do. So, um, you know, maybe don't look at it so, so negatively. I, I feel like you, uh, you have like a negative view of it a little bit.
1: Oh, I don't have a negative view of it. You know, it was definitely good and taught us a lot. Um, I ended up finding out that I'm not quite a short track guy. I'm more of a a big track Knoxville guy. You know, I'm better with with the speed and being smoother. Um, I definitely got better. Those guys taught me a whole different mentality and a whole different aggression that I think was in part helped me compete for a championship this year at Knoxville. And I think it will going forward forever. And it definitely taught us how to be prepared. Going on the road when you don't know what you're going to encounter over the next month or two when you're not home you know definitely shows and helps you and kind of gives you your brain the notion that you do got to put in the time and the effort in the off season way more than you ever have and uh you know guys like rob hart that worked for us definitely taught us the preparation's key you know you don't need to just have the car ready to go to the track that night you need to have two or three spares that are all ready to go because you just never know what scenario you're going to get to so like you said, I, I'm grateful for everybody that's been a part of my life and that's been a part of my career and, and the opportunities that I have. I've just uh, found that I'm a little bit more of a homeboy and, and I love Knoxville Raceway and, and I don't, don't think you'll ever find me on, an, on a tour again unless you know, something big in my life changes.
0: Give me an idea, like when, when the season's going on and, and you know, you're racing every weekend at Knoxville, what, is, what does your week look like? You know, how, do you, how are you kind of fitting in time to make sure the car's ready and, and then also try to get out and, and sell some real estate?
1: Oh, a lot of times during the day, at least uh, you know this year anyway, from 8 a.m. I'd show up to work and, and get busy doing things, calling people emails, you know everything. A lot of stuff I do is mainly on the computer for the most part. And uh, you know then after lunch, my dad and I'd go get in the race shop and we'd take Sundays off, we kind of called that family day and everybody just take a, take a chill off of racing for a day and, and kind of recharge and then after lunch, we'd always wash the car on Monday and uh you know depending on what was going on maybe start maintenance and try to finish maintenance on tuesday and then we're big believers on on tire work so we'd uh, you know work on on getting new tires and get them cut and grooved and and psyched and everything and do that wednesday thursday and then we kind of try to have everything done friday so that comes saturday since we're all a bunch of working folk that that we're not you know waking up at 7 a.m to finish everything that we haven't yet so we just kind of try to have a good routine and make sure that everything you know has your full attention when you're doing it
0: have you noticed that that your your racing has helped you know maybe just you know even a name recognition has helped your your real estate job
1: oh absolutely i don't honestly don't think i would have probably got into real estate if i didn't have didn't have the little bit of the popularity from racing and just uh you know people knowing my name a little bit here locally because knoxville we're a small town but i think we still have 18 to 20 real estate agents here in this town alone and it's competition is definitely hard. You know, people that have, there's people that have been doing it for 25, 30 years. So it's hard to compete with that. But I feel like with my age, I'm, I'm one of the younger guys doing real estate here in Knoxville. I don't, I don't think there's maybe but one or two younger than I am. So it kind of helps grab some of the you know millennials and some of the different people in the demographic.
0: And then I guess vice versa has, has being a real estate agent helped you with racing. I mean, are you, are you able to maybe get some sponsors or, you know, kind of use that as, as a way to maybe help out your race team?
1: Oh, no, not really. Not yet anyway. Um, If anything, I've picked up quite a few clients just that are looking to have a house here for their race team, you know, or a couple are currently expressing interest in buying a shop somewhere around here. Um, You know, I've had a few people retire here because they love Knoxville Raceway. And just, you know, it's been cool to meet people and cool to help them. And, you know, I'll get phone calls from, seems like California is the real popular one. I've been talking with a lot of, car owners and drivers and stuff from California, just because they can't believe how cheap our real estate is around here. You know, people are out there are used to $500,000, $1 million properties and you can get the same $500,000 house here for 120 grand. So they just can't believe it. And, uh, you know, it's just been been cool and been fun to to meet people and, and help them out and show them, show them new places.
0: Even when you're running Knoxville weekly is have there been opportunities for you to you know maybe roll up and run Jackson or or run Hughesits or you know run Oski does does that stuff ever pop up for you
1: Yeah a little bit we we dabble a lot in the Sprint Invaders organization down here in kind of the mainly in Iowa, Illinois, Missouri and uh, they run a lot of nice places and they pay they pay decent it's like 300 to start and 2 grand to win So we'll we'll try some of them and uh, we've been really supportive of I80 they have a lot of good you know, two or 2,500 to win races. And it's nice because we can work in the morning and then drive the two or three hours later to the racetrack and not really have to put our life on pause. I guess, um, I'd love to go race Jackson, but it's, it makes it really hard with a four and a half hour drive to come back and race Knoxville on Saturday. And we want to be our number one goal is to always be prepared and ready for Knoxville.
0: When you, I, I, I think you've run the nationals. What a couple of times now, is that correct?
1: Uh, just twice,
0: just twice. Okay. So as you, as you're, you know, racing weekly and, and, you know, kind of doing with that crowd, how, how different is it and how, you know, what, what, what's your preparation with the car look like? You know, what are you trying to do mentally, physically to kind of prepare yourself for that level of competition? And, and, you know, even knowing that like, you know, I I feel like on some level, the the guys that run Knoxville weekly have at least some leg up in, in terms of, you know, track conditions and things like that. But how do you get yourself ready to, to kind of go run the nationals?
1: you're talking about 410 nationals
0: 410 nationals
1: yeah um my first year i I was pretty excited we would had a pretty good year and it was my first year in a 410 but i'd actually been like i said pretty good when i first started and it was it was decent we qualified all right and i actually missed the invert to start on the front row of a prelim night by two spots and was doing good till i ended up getting getting mowed over and and destroyed a car that was the year of my lightning mcqueen car yep i remember That damn near killed me it was a it was a rough nationals on that but you know that year i was pretty excited and had pretty high expectations um the last couple of years or whatever that we'd ran i would more went in with we're gonna do the best we can and, and you know whatever's meant to be will be and how, let let the cards fall how they lie and go from there because uh, those 410 guys are so hard to qualify with they just especially the outlaw guys they just got those motors tuned in so so crisp and so perfect that i you know i feel like. Even on my best lap, I'm still probably going to be a couple tenths off of them. So
0: n- not a whole lot of
1: high expectations there, but, you know, it's, it's definitely fun to get a lineup with the best of the best and, you know, see where you're at.
0: How is the, uh, the old heartbeat when, you, when you're lining up in those heat races and some of those mains?
1: Oh, uh, when I was starting 11th that, that first year, you know, I, I could literally see the front and I had Donnie Shots and Ian Madsen starting behind me. And, uh, I was doing all right. I was running like mid pack and, and Donnie and Ian passed me and it was pretty heavy that night. I think it rained a little bit and I got right in behind them and, and followed them and was hanging with them. And I think I passed four or five cars and was up to like 10th or 12th or something after I fell back a little and, and then ended up getting in that crash. So that was pretty disappointing because even though they passed me just to be able to like somewhat hang with Donny shots at that point, which I think was 2017 was, was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Do you get nerves in the car? I mean, you know, you've been doing it for as long as you have now. And, and, you know, when you jump in on a, on a weekly show is, is there, you know, is the heart rate up? Is there adrenaline?
1: I'm in three sixties. I don't really feel all that nervous anymore. Heck I get more nervous on iRacing. I think (laughs) like uh, when we had those world of outlaw series in in the off season here and during COVID, like I can't imagine what my heart rate would have been that night at Volusia when I was leading and the computer glitched. I, I could barely freaking breathe. Um, and the 410, I still, and at Knoxville, I, I still get super nervous. You know, you just, sounds dumb, but you got to tell yourself to breathe. You just don't, I don't know, you get so wound up and so adrenaline rush that you don't really think about it. And uh, what's helped me a lot, Ricky Logan's kind of a mentor of mine. He used to race back in the day for a living with uh, the Lucas Oil car. And he told me, he said, just mentally, you got to breathe at every pit gate. So at least you're getting two breaths <laughs> every 15, 20 seconds. So, it, you know, as dumb as that sounds, it, it definitely helps.
0: In in talking about that iRacing stuff, you know, I, I feel like a lot of drivers get asked this, but like, is, is there really any similarity between iRacing and, and actually jumping in a car?
1: Uh, feeling wise, no, because you don't you don't have that feeling in your butt that you that you do in a real car. But um, you know, I, I say situational awareness, it definitely does. You know, you're still lining up on starts, you're still you know track changing and slide jobs and lines and, and different things and different guys that you race with, you know, still kind of have the same similarities somewhat. So I think it definitely helps keep you sharp visually, but you know, in terms of feeling wise, it doesn't do anything for you there, but I don't know how they'll ever get it much more real unless you get a rig that physically moves perfectly with the car.
0: Yeah. I, I want to ask you about kind of just the, the community of, of drivers and, and crew guys and stuff around Knoxville. You know, the, it seems like there's, there's kind of some iconic guys that have raced there for as long as they have. And, and you know, you talk about Lasowski and the Madsons and Brian Brown and, and all of these guys. Does everybody talk? Is everybody friends or does everybody kind of keep to themselves? I feel like, you know, when you talk to the outlaw guys, a lot of the outlaw guys kind of seem to, you know, to keep to themselves. But is, is that true of a, of a weekly track like Knoxville?
1: Oh, I think for the most part, people kind of keep to themselves. You've got your You know, two or three guys that are friends with each other type thing. Um, I know with myself I just kind of keep to myself we we say that uh I bring my friends to the racetrack with me, you know, you're not there to make friends. I'm I'm there to put that car that we all work so hard on in Victory Lane and you know, not not ever gonna go out of the way to make enemies, but also not overly worried about that. Um, you know, and I think in Knoxville in general, they're such a racing community that everybody's there for each other if needed. And you know, no matter what happens, we kind of all, all come together if if something goes wrong. But I think a lot of people just keep to themselves because it's just so important anymore that it, every team's basically ran as a
0: business. How many wins do you have at Knoxville?
1: I have six 360 wins at Knoxville. Um, just one three oh five 305 and still uh, shooting for that 410 win. It's kind of one of the, I don't know that I'll ever get back to it, but it's kind of one of the dreams of mine to help. Uh, I think I'd be one of the first guys to win in order. 305, 360, and then 410. There's been three or four guys do it, but they've, you know, been 360 or 410 guys that then bounce back to a 305 later on in their career. But that's uh, definitely a goal of mine.
0: It, with having the number of 360 wins that you have, is is it still as exciting when you win? And and is it easier to win at you know once you kind of learn how to how to win a little bit? It does it make it easier down the road to then win again.
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Every win at Knoxville is as special as maybe not the first, but the, you know, the rest it's, uh, I, I won that race here early in June and about followed it up again with a win the next week. And then couldn't crack the top five to the next two months. So you know, Knoxville's tough. The guys that the guys and girls that come here and compete they uh, there are no slouches, even on our weekly shows, I think we were getting 30 cars or so. And, uh, it's difficult. And every, everyone means something, you know, I've got all six of the trophies up on my mantle at my house and, they, uh, they mean a lot and they're not easy to get and it's not cheap getting there.
0: You know, obviously with the Knoxville season kind of being put on hold, you guys, you know, didn't get to end like you wanted to, but what are preparations kind of look like for next year? you know, how, how do you kind of get things lined up for, you know, for, for 2021? And, you know, are, are you trying to maybe find some more sponsors or, you know, are you, you know, working on the car regularly? Like, what does that look like as you, as you kind of look towards next season?
1: Uh, for the moment, everything's just kind of put away right now, kind of winterized or whatever, because we, once Knoxville was over, we just decided with how this year's been and, and with COVID and all that, that we were just going to put it put it back in the box and uh, save it for next year. We ended up with a good amount of equipment left and really didn't really tear a whole lot up, so that was good. Um, definitely looking for sponsors for next year. We're going to continue focusing on Knoxville with the family car, and pretty much that car will only around here in the Midwest, run Knoxville, you know, maybe some Sprint Invaders, IED type stuff, but, uh, you know, looking for other, other opportunities. I think I've, I've got a good enough name and done good enough here, you know, at least around the Midwest that, you know, I'd love to find a a car owner to drive for Sprint Invaders every week or somebody up at Jackson, whether it be 360 or 410, you know, I'm kind of, kind of open to anything. Definitely got our, our, uh, family owned 5J going to go for Knoxville for, hopefully our first track championship, since we were close this year, I think we've got something to build upon for next year, especially if it gets into the, the toughness of a full season. I think we'll definitely be well prepared for that with our, our Maxim Fisher number 5J, we're, we're ready to go.
0: I know, you know, just kind of keeping up with you on social media that you, that you stay pretty kind of locked into to what's going on kind of around the country and things like that. What, what are your kind of overall thoughts on, on what you've seen so far in, in, in sprint car racing, you know, across World of Outlaws, All-Stars, you know, what Kyle Larson's done, things like that.
1: Uh, Kyle Larson's not a human. I think we're, we've all, we're all in grants on that. Uh, you know, he's got 39 wins, and I would love to have 39 wins by the time I end my career overall over a 20-year span, you know, and he's done it a short season. So, you know, we, we can all agree that he's amazing. Um, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm happy for sprint car racing. I'm a, I'm a fan first, you know, whether I never race a day again in my whole life, I'm, I'm still gonna be a sprint car fan. I love it. And for what the the country's gone through, I honestly can't believe how healthy sprint car racing is. We've seen some of the absolute best fields of drivers and talent and equipment that we haven't seen ever, you know, the race tonight, the governor's reign at Eldora has got. 48 of the absolute best cars you could finish dead last and you're still not a slouch. You know, you're still awesome. And, you know, just all these races, the way, the way tracks are coming together and being creative, the way Knoxville did the not nationals and, uh, you know, Williams Grove putting up 75,000, uh, everything Todd Quirin's doing at Jackson and at Houston. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, I wish I had a, a big team going to where i could run a 410 schedule friday at jackson saturday in knoxville sunday at houston's next year it's just gonna bring it's gonna bring a whole new level of opportunity for guys here you know i remember what five ten years ago you'd have both madsons and Lasoski and brown and mccarls and all of them they'd hit all three shows you know they put on a ton of miles but everything within five hours of each other so it's it's just really good you know spring car racing's healthy whether it be 360 or 410 i mean look at Lucas Oil down there this weekend with the ASCS, they had 77 competitors for a three-day show. You know, I don't know that you need a whole lot more sprint cars than that, so it, it's been pretty awesome.
0: As somebody who knows as much as you do and has been in the seat, when you look around the country, who are who are some drivers, and you know, maybe not top-line guys, maybe not, you know, Swede and Gravel, but like, who are some other guys that kind of impress you on a, on a you know, a weekly basis?
1: Oh, but I went to Port Royal for the Tuscarora 50 with my fiance, and Hung out with my buddy Heath Moyle that runs the Hefner car and uh, my impressive driver of the week out there was Tyler Courtney. We all know he's a wheel man, you know, midget, non-wing, whatever, but the level of competition that was out there and being in Pennsylvania alone, you know, what him and the Clawson Marshall racing team has been doing is just impressive. You know, he made the A main last night, going four on the fluff, looked like a non-wing car. It was just nuts. So he's probably my, my top guy in a 410 that's been impressive. Um, National tour-wise, uh, one of my buddies, Chad Seipert, has been working for Garrett Williamson in the 24 car. You know, he put a couple couple wins together down there. And then uh, his fellow Rookie of the Year competitor, uh, Chase Randall, 15 years old, and has won a race at Lucas, uh, Lucas Oil Speedway on a weekly show. And I think sitting like top 10 in points with the national tour. And it's, I never even ran a sprint car at 15. And the, the throttle control and car control that that kid has, uh, you know, he competed down at that west texas race that uh, boffman put on and he out drove on a heat race and uh then out drove hayford Teep in a dash and like i couldn't imagine like just impressive as heck for a 15 year old
0: yeah absolutely how is heath by the way i'm a, I'm a big heath moyle fan I, I haven't texted with him in a while
1: i haven't talked to him much this week he's been extremely busy with them, i would imagine and then Kale uh, Kane coming in that he's been pretty hard to get a hold of but uh Great guy. He's one of one of my best friends. You know, through his injury deal that he had, um, him and I became real close and talked a lot. And uh, he's going to be in my upcoming wedding that we had to postpone thanks to COVID. But uh you know, looking forward to have him there stand up with me. And he's just uh, he's just a good guy.
0: Is there anything else that you want to drive? I mean, you know, are you somebody who wants to try a midget? You know, have you done a midget before? You know, would you do the Kyle Larson and jump in a late model? I mean, what what else is out there that interests you?
1: Uh definitely not a late model. I don't. <laughs> think I'm equipped for talent wise for that probably I'm definitely no Kyle Larson but uh uh midget I'd definitely like to try and I think I've got a couple opportunities that I could maybe hit um one of my good buddies is uh Flea Ruzick and uh you know I've spoke with him a couple times about getting in for a power I show at Jacksonville or something like that so we were we were going to try to work something out this year but once again COVID COVID ruined about everybody's plans so we didn't get anything together there but um yeah midget would be good.
0: What other uh, tracks that have you not been to that you would like to get to and and maybe try out as a driver?
1: Oh man, that's a tough one. Terre Haute's a track that I think would be fun. Um, Seeing an old young kid Ayrton Jeniton go out and uh, hold his own at there was pretty cool. Um, Like I said, I'm a big track guy. So I think anything, anything big would be fun. Um, You know, getting out to California for something would be cool. I'm not a short track guy at all, but I've heard nothing but good things about Trophy Cup out there at Tulare. And uh, whether it be drive or just go out for that as an event, um, sounds like a good time to me.
0: So, I mean, it's talking about Terre Haute, is, I mean, is there a possibility that the wing wouldn't be on?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I think not only would that about kill me, but my mom and my fiance probably about kill me as well. They, they're not, not a whole lot big on the, on the non-wing non.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you giving me some time today. If, if people want to get involved with you, how what's a good way that people could reach out and, and, and uh, maybe want to you know say they want to sponsor you?
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, all my social media handles are jamieball5j, whether it be Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or even TikTok. Um, my phone number is 641-218-8271. Uh, I got my website, jamieball.com, which will direct you uh, to a splash page where you can choose my race page or my real estate page. Um, my number's all over the internet, so just give me a call.
0: Yeah, well, and I guess that's the other thing, is if, is if people are looking for, for real estate, uh, do you just do residential or are you open to anything?
1: I do everything. Um, I've done commercial, land, residential, um, not just here in Knoxville, anywhere anywhere in the state of Iowa. Um, I've got, got new business cards and I put Knoxville's fastest realtor with a picture of the racetrack on the back, so hopefully that'll help.
0: Like most dirt racers across the country, Jamie isn't a full-time driver and has to balance his time between racing, his career in real estate, and having a family. It was great to hear from him how it all goes together and how much he enjoys racing. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.